0: Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we're going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We're going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. I'm not peeking. I'm spelunking for pork rinds. And joining us as well, we've also got our social media manager and all around uh, good time Twitter man. It's Dave. How did you get into April's pants? (laughs) So sit back, relax, and grab your time scepter as we dive into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. This one was released March 21st, 1993, directed by Stuart Gillard, starring Elias Cotillas Correas, Paige Turco, Stuart (laughs) Wilson, and Sab Shimono. Shim... Yes, Shimono. All right, guys, here it is. This is uh, Turtles number three. I believe we are well in the Sam zone on this one. Is that... (laughs) Am I mistaken? It was definitely my jam. All throughout childhood, I probably watched this movie 600 times. Same. I was 10 when this movie came out. This was right in my wheelhouse. I was super into it. But although I'll say at 10, you're probably less apt to literally rewind the tape, rewatch, rewind the tape, rewatch. But I would have been five. I, I do that to movies now. Yeah, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remind why your VHS is? It's very kind of you. Well, no, I mean, I'll put on, like, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind and start it over. Surprisingly, as much of a turtle head as I was, this is a total miss for me. I don't know. It, I just never had it. I think I may have seen this maybe once, one and a half times at best. So this was basically a totally fresh watch for me. My only touch point on this is I had the Donatello samurai figure and it came with the scepter. That's (laughs) (laughs) the toys for this were great. All the the feudal Japan versions of the turtles were so cool looking. This one was not a Jim Henson production. They were not in on this one. It was a company called All Effects. But that being said, I think this movie looks great. A lot of the effects look great. I think the suits with one exception. Oh, yeah. You're going to say splinter. I hope. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's Splinter. Splinter looks like he, well, he looks like a fucking Chuck E. Cheese reject, my man. Yeah, he's bad. But I also don't think the turtles' faces looked that great. They looked a little bit too rubbery, which, I mean, they were rubber, so. (laughs) Well, that was Reed's beef, was that they have liver spots. Yeah. They mentioned them, though. They mentioned the spots, yes. That was a beef of mine as well, especially on the some of the figures I had. Some of them were more spotty than others. And Something I noticed on this watch too, the heads, the robotics and the headpieces are nowhere near as advanced as the Jim Henson ones because you can at some points see the hydraulics and servos moving the lips and mouth in a really shocking the way. The lips never looked right. They never lined up with what they were saying. A lot of times the lips don't move at all. And this is something I noticed about halfway through the movie. That's because there's two different heads, a talking head and a fighting head. And the fighting heads are either just a slight grimace or totally dead eyed, stone faced. But they have very dark circles cut out under the eyes so that the stunt performer could have more visibility. Which makes it better than the first two movies for stunts. I think a lot of the stunts were like pretty good and obviously huge improvement from the second one because they could have their weapons back. The fight scenes were much improved with weapons. It makes it much better than the second one. They did anything but run away for most of it, which was the second one. All they did was run away. Yeah. And they slapped people around with sausages and stuff. Yeah. There was more of a villain tactic this time than a hero. They got the violence back. They got the weapons back. Got Corey Feldman back. I wonder how much he made for this. Fifteen hundred dollars. That was the first one. No, it's this one too. This one too. They fucking got him good. Real sad. <laughs> it's because he went into rehab and they said he broke his morality clause on his on his contract. He got fifteen hundred bucks. They're like, hey, uh, we're really sorry. How two went down. We'd love to get you back on board. And he was like, yeah, great. Like, how about some more money? And they're like, nah, my dude. You went to rehab, so you still get fifteen hundred dollars tough but hey it's an afternoon in a a recording studio i mean he didn't have to like go on location or anything he just sat in a booth but still it's a real tough look because he's the best voice actor out of all of them although i think he'd have made a better michelangelo i could see that but he sounds a little geeky and plus the mikey they got who is returning i believe the only turtle who doesn't return is raf and obviously splinter did not return for this one kevin clash but I think Mikey's great, Leo's great, and the return of Feldman was, I think, a lot of fun. I was very pleased. Okay, so let's get right into it. There's not a lot of plot going on here, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on, especially up front. So we get a cold open on some samurai chasing a homie. He gets uh, entrapped in a glade, and it turns out he's a friend. He's a prince. A fresh prince. Um, he's a prince. And he puts up a fight, but is easily captured while a lady watches on in the shadows. So that's your prologue, hundred twelve or whatever. That silhouette work was awesome. Oh, I love the look of that. And then the samurais on the beach, like such a cool visual. So nicely done. The budget was fairly low, nowhere near the last movie, but looks 100% better. The cinematography, the direction, all the sets, all the costumes looks like a million bucks. It looks great. More than 17 million bucks at least. What I always thought was great is uh, that it pulled that scepter straight out of the comics. We can talk about that later. This one. The time scepter. Um, I noticed that the writing on this was much improved, especially from the second outing. And I think that's... Let me just double check. Yeah, that's because um, Eastman and Laird were in on it. It seemed like whereas number two was a major cash grab. This was sort of like they're trying to keep their hold on what the first one did so well. Eastman and Laird were writers, quote unquote, on the second one. But this one, you can actually like you said, Sam, you can feel like the comics hand really in this in the vibe. Some of the shots even looked like comic stills. It was a stylistic movie, which is something I didn't expect to say because I haven't watched this in some years. No, I thought this was going to be a total garbage fire. You mentioned the cast. We got Corey Feldman back, but they also got Elias Cotillas back as Casey Jones. Actually, Elias Cotillas back in a dual role. The only thing that could have made me happier than seeing Elias Cotillas in this movie was seeing two Elias Cotillas <laughs> in this movie. If only they could have met up. That would have been a great epilogue. I feel like they wanted to. I tried to think of a moment where they like someone could have like swapped back and then they could have like looked at each other and then like, like just for like a moment. You have a pizza guy come in. (laughs) He touches the time scepter. He's he's the same way it is like medieval Casey Jones and they swap. Feudal. Feudal Casey Jones. That's the same time frame. Isn't it? I thought it was. I don't know. We join up with the turtles in their subway home and they're having a great time. Everybody's dancing. Dance party from jump. Oh yeah. So what I didn't necessarily like about the dance party is you didn't get the freeze frame title card. They kept moving. They just kept dancing through the title card. And that's what I liked so much on the second one. Here's what I did like. I liked Splinter. I thought he was great. More of a puppet show vibe, but I still liked him. He was vibing pretty tight to the dances. <laughs> I mean, he was really in on it. Yeah, and he, he had some good lampshade work later in the movie. So, I, you know, I was, I was a big fan. The only one effect that I thought was really bad was the big bad falls into the water. After he gets hit with that big oh, flaming yeah. catapult. We'll get into that Captain America-esque dive. <laughs> it, was, it was somehow worse. And they had a real team working on this. Yeah, uh, much, much, much worse. Yeah, the turtle's not so bad. A little disconcerting. A little bit more strange. A little bit more in that uncanny valley. Especially when they do that kind of dead-eyed ninjutsu. Where they have the fighting heads on. As they're doing in this beginning scene. They all get a little chance to do some ninja moves. And the dead-eyed stares of the turtles are kind of alarming. Yes. (laughs) In close-up, it does not look uh, good. I have a note here that says Splinter looks like a garbage can. (laughs) I think so, too. Or at least it looks like he was in one the whole time. Like Yeah, it was Oscar the Grouch. That was their big nod to the Jim Henson from before. Ah, there you go. I don't think so. (laughs) Splinter the Grouch. Rizzo's dad. I get it. I get it. April shows up. She's got a haircut and is going on vacation. But before she does, she... I guess, brings some junk she's rummaged from her rummage lifestyle. It was prepayment for them watching her apartment while she's gone because she said, I got my keys, my apartment keys here, and I got some gifts. It's all like knickknacks and weird stuff, which kind of explains why she doesn't know exactly what Splinter's present is. But I thought that was strange at first, but then realized that before her house burned down in in a different kind of Berenstein Bears situation, she used to live above like a junk shop, Mm -hmm. so... You know, she's probably still going out and hitting the circuits. Her dad owned a junk shop. There's a whole big backstory there. Oh, yeah. So that makes sense why she has a ancient Japanese magical scepter that she's going to give to Splinter as a present. Here's my big beef with this. She doesn't know what it is, but she's like, I don't know. It's fucking old shit. Splinter's going to love it. (laughs) Yeah, it looks Japanese. She's not wrong, though. It does look like something Splinter would love. (laughs) I do like that it had like an egg timer inside. She calls it an antique egg timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The look is good. It's got claws. It's got a little egg, spin and egg timer in there. We cut to Nurinaga Castle, circle 1600, and the the prince is circa taken back to the castle. Circa. There you go. We interrupt your regularly scheduled comic movie review show podcast to bring you this breaking Nordoplexy news nugget bulletin bl- of The podcast pedant from Pennsylvania has struck again. Twice now in the first 12 minutes of the podcast, our heroic corrector has swooped in and made some much-needed corrections that could have totally thrown this whole episode off course and brought it to a screeching halt. We here at Nerdoplexy News just want to take a brief moment to thank our podcast protector by making sure any obvious slips of the tongue don't go unremarked. Thank you, Dave. You're doing the Lord's work. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Dave. Sorry. Enter one rakish gentleman. So, okay, here's my question. Kenshin, the prince, is about, he's taken before his father. His father's very disappointed. He pulls out his sword. He's about to kill him, but is stopped when our English hero, Walker, shoots a bell and the daimyo spares his son's life. Was he going to slice him? I think so. I don't think so. I think he was. I think it was an honor thing. I think he was going to slice him right up the whole time. He's trying to get his son back. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. But it doesn't really drive with him. I think he was trying to, you know, he's just doing a bit. Him. And Walker, Walker wasn't having it. <laughs> he's one up in him, I guess. Calling Walker the hero is so strange. He looks like a vampire cowboy. Uh, he does. He's, he's quite rakish. I'll say that. But it's a good look. I'm I'm impressed with the look. I mean, the, the sleeves are a little bit puffy. But I mean, other than that, turns out he's supplying guns. To the daimyo. The prince is spared, but he's back, he's back behind bars and in a huff, he storms off, pulls out his sword, and swiftly chops retainers torches. That was pretty sweet. It was cool looking. <laughs> but I feel like that's not the first time he's done that. Like what a tantrum. I don't know. If I worked there, if I was one of the centuries yeah, right. or whatever, I'd be like, come on, bro, I gotta go light new torches. I got to go pay someone to make these torches. This is my whole gig. Yeah, I have to fix these. I hold this torch. You're just swinging your sword around all crazy, slicing shit. Come on, man. Lags. His tantrum continues. He goes in the sacred family temple and just starts kicking shit over. Slam dances. He slam dances uh, (laughs) the night away and reveals an old scroll and the scepter, which in perfect MacGuffin form, he picks up, reads the inscription on the thing, and then is flung on a magic journey. And shows up in April's clothes. Luckily, they are perfectly sized. They're both holding the scepter, and they do a body swap. And later we find out that it's fucking equivalent exchange. He comes through in April's clothes, holding a sword. She goes to feudal Japan, lands in his clothes, and has a Walkman. Is there any world in which those two people weigh the exact same amount plus a sword? No, there's, no real, maybe the there's no real rule. might role. weigh less than the sword. <laughs> no, there's no place. There's no time where that makes sense. But then explaining it away using fake math made me so angry. <laughs> well, Donatello's already done the science. He's cracked <laughs> this thing. He's done a digital scan. It's fine. They figure it out. It's all equivalent exchange and stuff. Kenshin's kicking it. The rapid-fire way in which they explain away all the powers happens within, like, 15 seconds. They hit you with both explanations simultaneously. Oh, also, here all of the rules of the Magic Scepter. So, so, you mean we have to go back in time and find four people? Then they will come here, and we will go there, and then we'll save April? Like, yep. I even liked how they explained how Kenshin could speak English. They were like, well, feudal Japan was trading with england at the time <laughs> and i was like yes this is great <laughs> this is <laughs> i think there may have been dutch but i'll allow it i'll allow it because that like you said that to 15 seconds is a like enough explanation that it's just like okay all right that's the conceit i'll give it to you i like the effect they use to pull april out and pull kenshin in they put the scepter on like a it's completely steady it doesn't move the whole time but it's so that they can do the what do you call it the shot for shot the shot yeah the shot for shot swapperoo Swapperuski, i think that's what they call it it looks great because you know you're holding the scepter then lightning comes down and then the person disappears and the scepter is just floating in air and then the other person comes yeah i mean honestly this effects company did a great job i was never really pulled out of it at any point as far as all of the effects go pretty good no cg or anything mm-hmm. i mean barring the scene sam mentioned yeah Oof. yeah pretty good and this is where we get the a mortal line that Dave did, quote, How did you get in April's pants? So the action's a little bit better than I anticipated. It's funnier than I thought it would be. Um, And also much, much hornier than I thought it was going to be. Way hornier. I also like that Michelangelo was getting dressed in shorts and they were like, why are you doing that? And he goes, well, I don't want anybody to be butt naked when they come to the future. A really good plan and Splinter just wasn't having it. I mean, we could talk all day about the logic. I mean, they're in their underwear. Almost all of them come in their underwear. They eventually do the switch. The one that is wearing Michelangelo's pants, he doesn't come in with any underwear. Or, hey, no tino shade. Maybe he just doesn't... (laughs) Maybe he wasn't wearing any. Maybe he just doesn't dig on that, yeah. He doesn't get down like that. (laughs) Exactly. It's too tight in the armor. This is when the movie really starts firing because Casey Jones enters the scene. He's going to help babysit Splinter and all these Japanese guys, and... The note I have for Casey Jones is Casey Jones is so fucking cool and also a huge dweeb. He does a Kramer entrance. <laughs> hey! <laughs> it's your boy! It felt like such a waste to have him as a babysitter, but it was so funny. It was so well done because he was like pretty good with the action stuff on the first one. Are we still allowed to talk about Kramer? Well, He's a good... He... Oh, maybe not. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Kramer wasn't on tour. That's true. That was, a, <laughs> some, that was the, the different person who, who shan't be named. Michael Richards. Huh. I guess he should. <laughs> that, that, that weird guy who had a mental breakdown on stage. He sure did. Not an isolated incident either. He apologized. I love their dynamic. I liked Casey Jones being there because he always worked well as kind of a foil. This in the sewer stuff, kicking it with Splinter and the boys really reminds me of the farmhouse energy. It lightens the mood a little bit, and he's joking, but also it's a—he's it, a steadying hand, which is interesting. The farmhouse also a horny time period for the turtles movies. Yeah, you, if you got Elias Katsiass in your movie, it's gonna be a horny movie, <laughs> especially <laughs> if he's in sweatpants. You know, he brought them sweatpants. He's—he's <laughs> uh, he's very good. He's very good. So, speaking of the man, April gets put in a cage, and so does a alleged. Mutineer from the crew that looks just like Casey Jones. His name is Wit, and I—what <laughs> a twist! It's a double Korea, the classic double <laughs> Korea, a North and South, if you will. I was going to say it, and I was like, ah, "Is it right?" No, uh, it is. It's good, <laughs> North and South Katius. No, uh, no, I was like, I meant like, does it make sense? Like, does the joke make sense? But it—you said it, it too, so I suppose it's—it doesn't make sense. That's really well, dumb, yeah. but because his wow. name's Elias Gutierrez. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> the a ringing call back to the first one. If all our bits and jokes have to start making sense, we're going to be in real trouble. While we're talking about things that don't make sense, when Kenshin and April switched, they were both holding the scepter simultaneously. <laughs> How is it possible that all four of those guys on horses and as soon as they picked it up it immediately started the transfer like that's why like mike had to run in with his pants because there was no more time i think if you're if you're on horseback if you're in motion okay. it doesn't know where you're at so it's more of a proximity situation it's like it's trailing oh. like they were like trailing behind or something you know so was it like a time based fate situation that four of them initiated the spell together so it kind of pulled in four guys i wish they would have just said that it was they were fated to switch places Instead of them having weight and touching a scepter, and yeah, like let the, let the scepter spin in the same room they're in, and let them warp. And who will possibly care? Maybe that's actually what it was. They were just <laughs> wrong. They were just saying what they thought it would be. That could yeah. Be. Oh, I mean, you done it. Yeah, but he had his little science thing where he was like, uh, if I subtract the cosine from the inverted integer, then I can take the flangular and put that here. Oh, that's it. Of course. And stuff it like so come mad. on, I was like, can't. <laughs> We can't do this anymore. This computer graphics were really fun. I liked it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really need to make a whole lot of sense. I mean, because, you know, this is a movie about Ninja Turtles going to Japan. So, I mean, you got to get there. You got to get there. But that was a nitpick for me. It's like how, but we cut there and apparently all four guys were riding their horses all holding the scepter aloft because that's how they transferred. But one of them was riding their horse backwards. Because Michelangelo is going the wrong way. Like mine doesn't. My horse doesn't have a head. Is there a strategy there that I don't know about in feudal Japan where they ride side saddle or backwards? I feel like side saddle is a thing. If you get to get four guys to hold one scepter, that's the only way you can do it. You can't reach behind you. Well, then two of them should have been side saddle. One of them going reverse and one of them going forward. Exactly. And they could be doing like an Eiffel Tower type of a thing. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. Riding into battle. Either that or just sucked him in like a big magnet. What about that? It just grabbed him. I like him. that. Mikey, like you said, he was on his horse backwards and he just rides away. And that's like a funny bit. It, it, it was at this point in the movie and I was like, is this, it? is this actually a good movie now? Are we watching a good one? Is it like Star Trek where it's like every other one is good? Here's the thing I'd like to clarify before we get too far. Sure, sure, sure. Not a good movie. Very enjoyable. Loved it. Not It's not a good movie. Better than I <laughs> thought it would be. Well, yeah. If your expectations are on the floor, this is like really good. <laughs> if you think that you're going to walk into like an indie film or The Room or something, like this is way better than that. It's like an actual movie. My expectations were TMNT 2 though. That's where I was. A worse TMNT 2. And this is actually, it's a jankier TMNT 1. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I didn't expect at all. No. Yeah. This is the Hydrox to... TMNT1's Oreos. Hydrox came first. I know, but they weren't as good. I don't know that. I don't know, They're jankier. They're like the Family Dollar Oreo for sure. Actually, don't know if they came first. They did. You were right. This is good. You guys have deep cookie knowledge. We have deep <laughs> trivia knowledge, deep unimportant knowledge. Mikey has no horsemanship knowledge. He's riding off backwards, but he's still got a hold of the scepter and he gets got by a bandit in the woods who knocks him out. Was it Mitsu? And uh, the scepter goes flying. I believe it was Mitsu because she had been hiding there before. It is not Mitsu, maybe, who gets the scepter. I don't think so. Before he passes out, they kind of have a brief moment. (sighs) Eternal romance was budding here, and I hated it. (laughs) And was this a meat cute? Mitsu cute. There it is. A Mitsu cute. Actually, I didn't write that down. I didn't have that prepared. It just... You have to believe me whenever I say that. And I really didn't think I was going to have one this time. Just fell right into my lap. As it was happening, I'm like, oh, no. They're not going to they're not gonna do it, are they? And they're... you didn't think they were <laughs> actually going to. I've seen that movie, but it's not this one. And the time scepter is slightly differently shaped. Yeah, not much. I mean, it's pretty close. It... No, it's actually not. It's actually the same prop. <laughs> <laughs> it stands just as still. Yeah, as a, as a suction cup, you didn't see that, though. Spoilers, I guess. This budding turtle romance, no worries. Mitsu at no point kisses Mikey, which I was very afraid was going to happen right before he went back to the future. Doesn't happen. Everyone can breathe a sigh of relief or conversely, a deep sigh of frustration. <laughs> we come to find out later that that prophecy, it wasn't a prophecy, it was, a, sorry, not a prophecy, but like a tale of something that happened in the past with the Kappa, which are these demons but they look identical to the turtles. So either the ooze existed a long time ago and it happened to turtles back then, or, and here's what I like to think, that if this series had continued, they eventually would have gone further back in time to stop the first guy. You're 100% correct. Which one? That's what they were going to do? Or that's what happens? That is what was going to happen, and that is what happened in the animated series, Masks, they do a series that, but we'll get more into that in Comic Convergence. You just blew my mind. Because in that Mystic Scroll, I don't know if you saw, but there was a defeated warrior there who was wearing Shredder's armor. Oh, I didn't see that. I'm not going to lie. I did not notice that at all. There was a Shredder type that was lying on the ground defeated. In the animated series, Splinter goes back to the past and like defeats one of Shredder's ancestors, basically. That's phenomenal there's a whole connection there and we'll get to some more of that in the comic Convorjons it's my fault I didn't read the IMDB facts this time that's probably in there yeah before we get too far I really like April's play whenever the whenever Norinaga finds her mm-hmm. and, th- and says she's a witch and her, her like big idea is like yeah, it's true I am a witch I shrunk these four (laughs) talented musicians. Yeah, I'm like, how could this possibly play out well? If they did think you were a witch, they would definitely try to kill you. They were always going to kill her, I believe, at that point. I think the fact that she spoke English was the only thing that semi-saved her because Walker tries to intervene here. She's in the prison, though, at this point, right? She gets in prison, but when you were talking about that scene where she confronts them, she accidentally turns on her walk, but it, it scares everybody. And instead of her being able to use that as kind of a power play, the Daimyo immediately tells his guys and they fucking smash it with swords. I love that trope when something is playing and somebody makes an action and it stops the soundtrack. I love that. Oh, that was so fucking funny. I never in a million years thought that they were going to smash that Walkman with swords. And also, I kind of expected a racist Sony joke there, but they they moved right past it. Good on them. They had a couple problems with some accent work later, but... Well... (laughs) (laughs) There's some little bit of chaos back in present day. Kenshin is very upset with the soldiers they're going to fight. There's kind of an underdeveloped subplot here where I think Kenshin is supposed to come into his own and learn that he is going to be like a leader, but it never really develops. They kind of hint at it. During one of these battles, a horse falls and it has to be in a studio note because it cuts away and then it cuts back and the horse stands back up. So you're like, well, we can't we kids can't watch that horse fall and think it died. Oh, yeah. We got to be sure that horse got to get back up and then we can continue the movie. I think you're right, because that was oddly edited, too. Well, is this right after the, the horses throw the turtles into the water or whatever? Yeah, horse. I just read horse falls in battle, so probably it's that same time. There's a couple of big battle scenes here. Speaking to the effects that are like, oh, okay, there's lots going on. The turtles sneak into the castle to try to rescue April, and this isn't one of the better fights, initially, because they start the uh, one running gag of this, where they wet Willie Niles. Niles. That's sort of like, power move. Yeah, they're trying to stay under the radar. So the first people that see them, they growl at them. Oh. And then the next two people, they knock them out. They growl at them with the masks on, though. So True. I mean, yeah, so they still think they're the honor guard. But does the honor guard just growl at people? I don't know. The point is, they don't know that that's staying under the radar. They are the honor guard. They're trying to stay unnoticed. And that is a pretty funny gag. It's like, I wonder who we're dressed as. And they're like, oh, you're the honor guard. Everybody's looking for you. Yeah. So- <laughs> My big question here is they do follow Niles into the jail cell dungeon, whatever you call it. And Niles and like these brigands have full run of this facility for some reason. Yeah. Like the jailer torture guy listens to them. Yeah. They do whatever he's they say. I don't know if it's an expediency thing or like the fact that they have guns or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's some good antics in the jail here. A good fight scene happens here after they spring April. Although the one thing I didn't like this jail, I thought was great. And the jailer who was also great. I didn't like how they kept dunking on him for being fat. Yeah. I hated it. That's pretty busted. hated it. I mean, I agree with you first. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they did do. It's not a great thing, but I did love the guard and I loved his instinct to put himself in that cage and like pull himself up. When he pulled himself up, I had a belly laugh. That was great instinct. Uh Uh-huh. The jail fight is the first real laugh I had. As they were fighting, some—I don't know if he was kicked or thrown—but some guy jumps and just smashes his head off a beam, and that got me real good. But yeah, the guard is great. He's got great comedic timing. He's got a lot, a lot of good stuff here, and they—they're um, eventually trapped, and they decide that they need to sneak out of the poop chute. I guess. Yeah. So okay, I put they go out through the poop hole. And they make sure to call it a garbage hole many times, but like so many I guess, times. But I guess that's so like whenever Leo's got a mouthful of it, people aren't like, Ah oh, man. I made it so bad. I made it that was so <laughs> bad. Yeah, and he's like Boy, do I hate spinach. Yeah, right. I uh, didn't make it hell? better. <laughs> and I mean maybe they do throw their trash in there too, but definitely they put poop in it. They even make like a hot, greasy and then then she says, Don't say it. Joke. Right, don't say don't say poop. But t- So as to say, it's definitely not poop, but it's definitely poop. It's definitely, absolutely, 100% poop. The prisoners poop in their cages, and they just shuffle that down the thing. Although, later in the movie, as Sam is right, they do throw garbage down there, too, because you see the jailer dumping a pile of garbage, but he dumps it on top of the grate. It just stays there. It just sits there. He just got to do a waffle stomp to get it down there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're making more work for yourself. Yeah, we all know it opens. Open it. That's the only reason why he threw garbage down at that point is to say, It's a garbage hole, guys. Look, it's, it's just garbage. This is what we do. <laughs> it's, throw- it's compost. Uh, yet again, probably another studio yeah. note. They had a, like, they threw in some ADR lines, like, You need to really make sure people don't think that's turds. Yeah, I don't. Th- th- I, that's a really gross scene of Leonardo has a whole mouthful of actual human shit. <laughs> Torture shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. They escape. We cut to Mikey. He wakes up in the idyllic rebel village. That's where he wakes up and he says his spots hurt. And even his bandana hurts, which makes sense because you could see the mechanics in their bandanas. (laughs) I mean, that hurts. Sometimes at the end of a long day, my socks hurt really bad. So I I get what I understand what he's saying. I'm with you. (laughs) My toe hairs, my little hobbit feet. (laughs) They hurt. Speaking of your little hobbit feet, this is where April rips off her pants and shows a little leg. Oh, and uh, then yeah, we get yeah, a Wayne's yeah. World swing joke. Absolutely. Swing. <laughs> full-on Ugh. swing. I was not expecting an erection joke. A swing. Immediately followed by commentary on environmentalism. I love nature, man. Look at the clean water. It's so beautiful here. Yeah. Go back in time. Remember remember when water used to be clean? Also, I just want to tell them, like, hey, guys, like, just get out of the city. Just go upstate a little bit. Yeah, right. Just You don't have to be in New York. Just a little bit. Go to Syracuse. Do you remember when you were at that really nice farm? Oh, wait. I don't want to jump back too far, but when they were in the mud, he definitely said mud wrestling is a spectator sport, which I thought was a super odd joke in a kid's movie. There's a lot of odd jokes and odd references for kids. I mean, we, we kind of bring that up in the other ones, and they always do stuff like that, where they're mentioning like Zorro and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, the kids might know Zorro, but the other, they're like saying that Walker looks like Clint Eastwood, I and mean, he definitely doesn't. I didn't get that at all. Speaking of Zorro, though, he was in, uh, I think, Mask of Zorro. Yeah, 1998. I'm glad I didn't read the IMDb because you guys did. <laughs> this would be... <laughs> <laughs> no, we on it, baby. a baby. Like a three-way hit. I don't I don't know any of the facts. I just know my feels. Right after Raph's done a admiring nature, they get ambushed by the rebels. And this is probably the best fight scene, I would say, out of all of them. I think this one has the coolest moves. Yeah, April gets sproinged by an arrow. <laughs> catches her shirt in a tree she do i also think april kills a guy after that impossible to escape she like does that like thing with her hand and pushes his nose up into his head (laughs) a palm strike yeah (laughs) like i think think april just killed the guy (laughs) she's not uh steven seagal so it wouldn't be quite as effective good point she might not have killed a guy but mitsu is definitely trying to kill her fortunately raf does maybe the coolest move of the whole movie He throws his Psy frisbee style and breaks Mitsu's arrow on the bow. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. That is cool. Then medieval Casey Jones. Sorry. Feudal. Feudal Casey Jones comes to save the day, and he's got the same sexual instincts as his descendant. Right? It has to be that Casey Jones is his descendant, right? If they're not related, something is wrong in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. They never mention it, really. (laughs) They also say, like, Hey, pal, you got a relative in Brooklyn? They also say hammer time. It's hammer time. So this, I think, marks the fifth or maybe sixth MC Hammer reference in our series. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So I feel like there should be like the the peewee. Someone said hammer time, secret word. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hammer time. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, right after Raph breaks that arrow, turns out, it's cool. Everybody's friends now. They're like, oh, shit, we got another guy like you back at the crib. <laughs> are you guys like him? I guess it's fine. Cool. Come with us. Just like the other one, then everybody just stops fighting. I think Raph at this point says, hey, who called a timeout? Hey, we'll oh. whistle. My notes here. These turtles are funny. Is this a good movie? Is this good? It goes back and forth yeah, <laughs> pretty well, often where you're like, oh, no, this is what I thought it was. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, never mind. Bad. It's ah, <laughs> now we're back in it. <laughs> The action scenes are part of the good stuff because when the rebel village is under attack by the pirates, this scene is also firing on all cylinders. Mikey gets some interactions with some of the pirates and he chases them around. And he, my favorite Mikey line is definitely, I'm really a beautiful princess in disguise. And he says, <laughs> Oh, sorts. It was very good. This is such a quip-heavy movie. They're just nonstop. Every empty second has a quip thrown in there. And I'm here to tell you, Some are good, and some are very bad. Yep. Some were good, and some were very bad. It's not quite as draining, though, I think, as it was in 2. It's not as relentless. You do get some cutaways to, like, some feudal Japan stuff, so that makes a lot of sense. Niles and some of the other Englishmen, they were at the village, and then all the other turtles get there, and then they see... Walker and they say, Hold it right there, Zoro, dude. The fact that he was in Zoro later is pretty funny. I really like that. Uh, yeah, it's I'm... it was too early to be meta. Had he already been in Zoro, <laughs> that would have been a nice meta joke. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mikey gives him some shit and calls him Clint Eastwood and stuff like that. And Niles, the pirate, gets wet willed again by the guys. And this is where we see Mikey saving the grandfather of the rebels grandson yoshi from a burning building mm-hmm. a lot of drama here yeah he he breaks in and it's all on fire and he comes out and he oh he saved him but oh no yoshi's not breathing and um, mind you they were cheering that they had saved him while he was laying on the ground unresponsive <laughs> right <laughs> dead for all intents and purposes and i guess because leo didn't have anything else to do in this movie he gets to do cpr and save yoshi's life how did he do it though And how did that kid not laugh his ass off every time that weird rubber mask got near his face? Yeah, he's a good actor. He is. He saved him through CPR, which these dudes don't know about CPR. These guys invented in their short time, timeline breaking things like CPR, (laughs) a Walkman, pizza. They create pizza. A Frisbee. That was a twofer. Yeah, right. The Frisbee was the pizza. They invented so many things. They're demons. They've got this beyond the pale knowledge, you know, but- pizza doesn't pick up so obviously it didn't work you know it's not like japan is famous for pizza also that this can't be tomatoes what are they using i don't know let us know what you think michelangelo made that frisbee pizza out of release the tmnt3 cookbook rice flour no yeah keep it though keep it oh before we move past this scene i did like to say Donatello makes a moment. He says, I really wish that uh, I just hope that they like us now or aren't so afraid of uh, us. And then everyone like bows to Mm them. He goes, well, it's a start. (laughs) (laughs) Wink. So old time Casey Jones wants to hitch a ride back to the future with April. He figures out that they're going back and Kenshin and the gang are getting all wound up. But Casey Jones in the future is able to defuse the situation with the addition of a little television and some hockey. They love hockey. They love hockey. He tries to get them to play hockey, and he, they're like, like you saw on TV. And they go, <laughs> Remember? <laughs> so they must have watched Leave It to Beaver. And I'm going to cut in them saying it so that no one could think that what I did was insensitive and it wasn't even good. Like, I wasn't, that was no accent. i <laughs> make them say it. I said it? Beaver Cleaverka. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <There we go>. Unlimited <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's like the ninth time. On- <laughs> made it onto the episodes. <laughs> no, that's not going to... Th- we say it's like something that I'm going to cut out, then we have to cut out the whole thing. Right. You know what they're doing. The Banshees. <laughs> like Banshees. Um, so they watched Leave it to Beaver, too, and they must have liked that a lot. But then they break into fights because it was like TV. Yeah. They got back to the hockey part, with the hockey fights part. Okay, so there's a lot of cool matchups. I really like Casey Jones in the the Soldier Boys. The young. Watch me crank and watch me well. Tell them Soldier Boy. Tell. Hey, I got new y'all Soldier Boy. Uh, I really like Yoshi and Raph. <sighs> Yoshi, I really like all of them except for Yoshi and Raph. That's the one I hate the most. <sighs> this like weird fatherly. Portion. This is creepier to me than the the fact that Mikey wants to get with Mitsu. I hate this. It happens like six times and I hate it. It's unsettling and it's like weird that Raph tries to become like a splinter type of of like a fatherly figure. (laughs) They're trying to show his growth, but he didn't earn it. It was. I don't don't know. Yeah, because he's telling him, you know, watch that anger. It was like unearned growth. (laughs) Nothing taught Raph to not be angry in this movie. The first two movies taught him not to be angry. He didn't exactly listen. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say it's unearned, but it's just this is the most ham-fisted, and maybe it just is lended to that this is a new Raph, and he's. Yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, if you're gonna play Raph, I mean, his favorite color is red, so you know, for obvious reasons. Because of the blood of his enemies and <laughs> my armor suffices. The vibes in here just turned bad. <laughs> <laughs> But anyhow, I don't know. I I, I didn't really dig that. Did it work for you guys? I mean, you guys have kids. Did the Yoshi-Raph stuff? It was nice. Okay. That's 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 fine. If you've ever been a kid watching Ninja Turtles and you think, like, I want to be friends with those guys, you see the little kid gets to be friends with those guys. It's nice. Okay. All right. That makes makes more sense to me. I just don't think Yoshi, like, because he doesn't really, I guess he does. No, actually, you know what? He does. I've corrected myself in my own thought, which sometimes happens. Speaking of weird interactions, let's move right on to the next one, where Mikey tries bird dog and mitsu big time. Yikes. Yeah, he's like, oh, your beau's not here? What's your sign? I'm like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, do you really miss your boyfriend? Yeah. He's like, on a magical journey in the future? Like, yeah, babe, what's up? What's up, girl? It sucks your boyfriend's not here. That's weird, right? I'm here. <laughs> But I don't understand that whole thing. He knows. I mean, he even says to her that, like, don't worry, Kenshin's fine. And he'll be back whenever we leave. So why is he trying to do that? Why is he trying to be that way? I mean, I guess he's a teenager. And, you know, that's something to think about. Actually, here's something to think about. Is this the first time that the Turtles have fought an enemy who isn't exclusively teens? Or are these young soldiers, could they also be teens? Yeah, this doesn't exactly meet Dave's thing. I was going to say, can we make this work for Dave? It doesn't work. Miyoshi does almost die in a fire. True, but uh, burninating the countryside, thatch roof cottages didn't do it for me. And the truck door comes in the night. I don't want to see a kid asphyxiate. I guess I don't. <laughs> so you do draw a line. I guess I draw the line that like you didn't mind in the one movie where there were like college kids getting blown, the heads blown off with flamethrowers. No, I, I didn't. That's fine. That was fine. But, but if they, but if Into they were in a house fire. Yeah, too real. Uh, different. Yeah, okay. Too okay, real. Okay, there we go. All right, I'll get, I'll, I can get behind that. Just to clean up a little plot stuff, apparently Walker and the English are selling the Daimyo guns, and he doesn't want to, but then he does, and he doesn't, and he does, and then eventually he does. But while that's all going on, Donatello's come up with a plan to get back home and it's to build a fake scepter. The fake MacGuffin. They've learned nothing from the ooze reverser donuts. <laughs> no, no. They finally managed to build this Kirkland brand scepter. And then they break <laughs> it. And they immediately break Instantly it. Instantly dropped it in a well. Yep. Okay, so we got to circle back. we got to get some more Yoshi and Raph stuff. He gives them a yo-yo. And... If we could get, we must get some clips in here of Yoshi telling Raph, tomorrow you will die. I cannot let you die, Raphioso. Even if it feels shoehorned in, I feel as though it's worth it for these few lines that he's got here with Raph. Because they are very good. And it turns out that the turtles have been being manipulated into fighting the daimyo. Because Yoshi can't keep the secret. He knows where the scepter is. It's under the floorboards. And they believe that Mitsu was using them. And we get the immortal line from Michelangelo, heartbroken. He says, Mitsu, is that for real? <laughs> You're totally harsh on my vibes right now, babe. He does say, the vibes in here just turned bad. It's so bad. <laughs> but they were so mad when they thought it was Mitsu that hit it. When they find out it was the grandfather that hit it, they're like, oh, that makes sense. They were just super okay with that. And they were about to apologize to Meetsu, but darn it, it's too late. She got caught by ancient Casey Jones, who is a real Jag.: We thought we were having a twist, but it was a double twist. It was actually feudal Casey Jones.' Was the criminal here. Fossil Casey Jones, and he uh, runs off. Casey Jones better watch be. <laughs> with the scepter and the Mitsu. So Mitsu gets thrown in front of the Daimyo and she spills the bean about the scepter and how Kenshin's in the future and they all got to touch it. Okay. And then the turtles break back in. And then I don't know what part of the plan this was. April just drives a wagon back in and is like, hey, I'm here again. Capture me, stupid. Yeah. What was that? It was like a deconstructed Trojan horse. It was so they could climb up the side without being noticed. All the guards were oh uh, she was a distraction yeah. i see the daimyo once uh, mitsu tells him that that walker has the scepter he's like i don't have it and then the daimyo is like all right well you can go then <laughs> like he's like the most trustworthy guy oh oh chill well if he says he doesn't have it then he doesn't have they did, it they didn't invent lying yet it's like the guy from meteor man he's like oh oh i'm sorry yeah. oh oh my bad no please please my mistake please i wasted your time my mistake yeah. <laughs> forget that i just tried to kill you in a drive-by <laughs> but then walker goes back to his rooms and old casey jones is waiting there for him he's like oh shit you do got the scepter by the way and what the fuck does he want it for why does he want it he wants the money for it because the daimyo will pay whatever to get that back i guess just getting yeah, greedy. he's just getting greedy but the daimio believes in those kappa he believes that's going to happen if i don't have this scepter i'm in trouble. So he thinks the scepter is going to keep the capo away. It's going to give his power. Because he even says, "If I don't have the scepter, I'm already lost, and you'll have nobody to trade your guns with." Uh huh. Okay. All right. So that makes more sense to me. Because like the daimyo had already agreed to the guns. It was guns. Uh, for gold for guns. No, it was thing. guns for silver and silk. And then it was guns for but gold that at that point when yes. the demons were confirmed. Mm-hmm. Confirmed demons, you gotta pay me gold, baby. <laughs> that's silky shit I need that gold this is where we get another pretty decent fight it's a castle fight one of my favorite little moves here was Donatello and Leonardo fight off some guys and Donatello goes Leo high foot and they do a little fun little scorpion kick and then they touch feet (laughs) (laughs) pretty good. good pretty good a lot of kick stuff in this and then the rebels break in and the daimyo tries to run for it and then we get Honestly, what I thought was a pretty decent Leonardo sword fight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an apology for him not being able to do anything the whole second movie. He gets a pretty nice little fight here. They free all the prisoners, which isn't always the best thing you can do, because some of them could be in there for legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not like going to a kennel and like, freeing all the dogs. Oh, yeah, That one had <laughs> yeah. rabies for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> yeah. And then 28 days later, all everybody in the castle was dead. Okay, so this is where we get... I think my favorite line in the whole movie... Is it, oh, look, Don King? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Before that, Walker asks the turtle, who's your tailor? <laughs> and someone, and one of the turtles says, we're naked. That's a good line. <laughs> but yeah, Wit finally stands up to Walker, but it's too late and he's about to get killed too. But the turtles, yet again, try to do some mind tricks. This is a pre-fight donut all over again. Where they say that if you shoot us, the bullets will bounce right back. And then Walker shoots a cannon at them. It misses because Leonardo pulls his head in his shell. Pretty good gag. And the daimyo is stuck in the bell behind them, by the way, who's now dead because yeah, if that, that much force. The bell clacker would have hit him. He's in the dead. Head. He'd have died. He'd probably be dead from that thing falling on him. Like the sound probably would have killed him. That's I, the end of the Leo fight they drop the bell on the daimyo. So the daimyo is trapped in a bell. Mm -hmm. If you can suspend disbelief that he may still be alive. Now he's had a cannon shot at his melon that breaks (laughs) the, the, and not to mention just anything that hits one of the, that bell that hard while you're in it is probably going to break your eardrums entirely. I mean, it would be so loud in there. The force alone. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, but good bell gag before it it does break. Cause he says, uh, (laughs) it Norinaga. Norinaga. And he smacks the bell and <laughs> Name rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Good quips. Was Walker shooting the bell in the beginning? Kind of a foreshadowing? I guess a, a little Chekhov's, Chekhov's bell bells. shot. If you shoot a bell in the first act, you're going to need to drop a bell on the Norinaga in the third act. He shot it with a little gun, and then in the third act, he shot it with a cannon. It escalated. Chekov's cannon. They did Chekhov's cannon you. They showed you the cannon. He shoots the cannon. He's testing for if he can blow up some turtles. He's got some dummies out in the water and he shoots the cannon at it. So they they very literally Chekov's gun, the cannon. So that's whenever the uh, head comes out and he's his hair's all tussled. And uh, they say, oh. oh look, Don King. <laughs> Cause kids love boxing. Promoters. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> Boxing promoter hair jokes. Yeah, it's very good, very good comedy for 1993, apparently. Right. Walker is giving chase, and it leads to my favorite line, which is whenever the turtles are running up the steps, and the one says, I can't remember which one, top of my head, honestly. This is so good for your calves. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's hilarious because it's like, it's a perfect line.
1: They're and yet, it's it's
0: just, just quips on quips. I noted right after that, these are good quips. I would say it was a higher quip win than the second one, for sure. Easily. Easily. I mean, these are just better jokes. They might not have had the budget on this movie, but overall, like, the bones of this movie are just better. They didn't have a financial budget, but they had a heart budget. This is pretty much the end. Walker makes a break for it. He's got the scepter. He tosses it in the air. To escape but he's got to come back for his his finches his little sparrows his finches yes he's got to come back for them and it means his doom as feudal Casey Jones shoots my dude with a cannon they final murder as they are wont to do and knocks Walker into the abyss in the most spectacular special effect shot of this whole picture so bad doesn't even splash when he hits it's the bad. water they no, don't even bother doing he- a splash effect He just gets engulfed in the water. (laughs) It's really funny. He clips through the water. It should have went. If they would have added that sound effect, like as a wink to saying, we can't make this (laughs) effect look good. I would have liked it so much better. Insert graphics here. They've got the scepter back. Everything's great. They're going back. But what's this? Raph doesn't want to go back. Mikey doesn't want to go back. But they eventually have some heart to heart. The other Soldier Boys—they don't want to go back because Casey Jones took them to a bar and introduced them to arcades. I was doing a Soldier Boy. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I did it again, huh? I did. I double. I double (laughs) dipped. But eventually, it all comes (laughs) together. And but oh my goodness, Mikey is just a second too late. He doesn't get there in time. It turns out it's fine. It's a fake out. He does make it. Everything's fine. Everybody ends up where they're supposed to be, which lends credence to they didn't know how the damn thing worked. They were just guessing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. They were just guessing, and it turns out fine. And as they dance their way into the smoothie, they dance their way right back on out. So that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. It does end with Splinter with the lampshade on his head doing this exact same bit that I think Michelangelo did at the very beginning. Said, oh, I'm Elvis, a uh, blue Ho- oh, Hawaii. Oh. <laughs> I saw it on cable. <laughs> yeah, I think they forgot that they put that in the script at the beginning, that they threw it on the end. He had to finish with Splinter getting to have another, another funny. He didn't say it, though, and it felt unfulfilling wow. because of it. That might have not have lined up to our expectations, but let's see how this one lined up to our comic expectations. Okay, so the concept for this movie is loosely based on a story called "Masks," from issues number 46 and 47 of the original Mirage comics. The story features the Turtles and Renee. Renette traveling back to feudal Japan to fight an evil shogun and engage in samurai battles. In the original comics, the Time Scepter is normally associated with Renette, the Timestress Apprentice of Lord Simultaneous. She often encounters Savanti Romero, but none of these characters appear in the film. So, yeah, pretty much taken straight from. And um, like you said, there were plans for them to go back even farther in time. A fourth movie was planned, but um, didn't pan out. This one had a budget of 17 and probably another five for estimated for advertising, bringing it up to a total of 21 million. The opening weekend, 12 million. So not too bad. And it says here gross worldwide ended at a forty two million. So honestly this was I wish the budget was twenty one million one thousand five hundred for Corey Feldman's budget. Oh uh, yes. I didn't know if there was a joke in there and I could I could not I mean not really. I mean I could not suss it, but I mean it's pretty good. Okay. Because I mean he did get fucking boned big time. Maybe he they should have he could have given Feldman some bucks. That's all I'm saying. As far as the critical reception goes, this one is not very highly thought of on the tomatometer. It's only got a measly 22% and an audience score of 34, so pretty tough. I mean, a successful movie, I feel, though, all around, and much better than I thought it was going to be. All right, well, I think it might be time to move into our penultimate segment It's who's your hero, who's your villain. My hero is current Casey Jones for being willing to play along and just literally be there to babysit. He thought he was there to bust some skulls, but he's like, no, you're here to make sure Splinter is okay. And that these Japanese people who are from feudal Japan, you know, don't get lost in their future. And he was just very into it. Very good babysitter. He wanted to fight so bad, but he was just, yeah, a very good babysitter. I think he did a great job. My hero would be the honor guard because I just really like those guys. It took them very little to accept this futuristic lifestyle, playing arcade games and stuff. They, they didn't want to go back, none of them. You know, they loved hockey and dancing <laughs> <loved, laughs> and Cheetos and bagged popcorn. I mean, they love what we have. And I do feel terrible for them having to go back. Their enthusiasm was infectious. My dude sleeps on a pile of hay or something. That'd be pretty pokey. Yes. Yeah, it's not ideal. Well, I guess to then... Go to the future and have to live in the sewer isn't so much better, but... Well, that's true. That's I true. really loved that they stripped naked before they went back. Hurriedly. Yeah, they, like, hurried up, ripped, yes. up, ripped up all their clothes, because they did not want the turtles to come back in clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see them all come, come back in, like, ripped up whole clothes. Heroes, heroes, heroes. I'll go with April here. I, I mean, she's still hanging out with these weird guys. She's still trying to help out these turtle boys, and she gets dragged into a weird time crisis time crisis situation and hardly bats an eye a quantum leap if you will yeah she takes a she takes a quantum leap and really doesn't put up much of a fuss about it no she's there to play right away pretty good all the way from till she goes to japan until she goes bacula (laughs) all right well as far as villain goes i think i'll go first and i'm gonna go ahead and say that my villain is the grandfather from the rebel village because he was willing to trap the turtles and april in his timeline forever as far as they all knew at the at the time just so that they could win this like battle and i think that's pretty busted not a cool thing to do. Not cool. It definitely harshed the vibes. We can agree on that. <laughs> it's bad vibes, man. It was definite bad vibes. My villains are the Turtles and Casey Jones current day because of they just played hell with the, t- with the timeline. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the last <laughs> thing you should want to do is take the Honor Guard out to see all of the things that they'll not have, like all of the comforts that they'll never have in their lifetime. And then for the turtles to invent pizza and bring like Walkmans and batteries and CPR and hockey to that other timeline is it's going to change everything. They should have come back and Splinter should have been like a dog. (laughs) That'd have been a good gag. Well, I guess the timeline was already messed up because they'd already been there once or something. Right. So this is like the actual timeline, I guess is what you have to reconcile that, you know, possibly this all happened and whatever. They just chalked it up to demons, just like you do, swept it all under the rug, and then continued about. Well, I mean, certainly put them in a challenging situation. Am my villain, though, is uh, it's past Casey Jones, wit. He was a dick. He sided with Walker right away. Oh, yeah, big time. And then he does a murder at the end to try to say he's not that bad. He is the worst. This guy is not cool. At first, opportunistic. And finally moralistic. He realizes what he had done wrong, and he tries to correct that. A little too little too late. I agree. It's just like... Well, and it's also way overcorrected. You don't have to do a murder. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have to be quite so villainous for the five minutes that he was villainous. Yeah, he's he's the worst. Here's what should have happened. Okay. Yeah, we should have found out that Mitsu was in on it. Like, they worked together to make it look like he kidnapped and brought her back. mm something like that like yeah hey, i got you now we're just trying to get a lead on this time scepter kind of thing you know i don't know the fact is what he did was bad and i agree he was irredeemably bad and then when he tried to redeem himself he did a murder well once in a while i don't know just dip your toes in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was feudal times justice was a harsher than justice was futile how do you guys judge this one? Would you recommend people check this one out? In my rose-colored baby boy glasses, I love this movie. We end up saying that a lot, probably in a lot of these movies, because I grew up on all these, almost all these movies that we watch. But this one in particular would have been one that is especially near and dear to my heart. Critically speaking, there's holes. It's a teenage mutant ninja turtle movie. Not to disparage any of them for what you know what they brought to the table, but it's not the f- finest piece of cinema. But I suggest it to. Anyone who likes, you have to like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you didn't, this would be an insane venture for you. Yes, that's what I would say. If you have a couple of beers and some popcorn, this movie is fun because it's the Ninja Turtles. If you don't like the Ninja Turtles, then uh, this just isn't for you. I'm finding uh, out how hard it is to say Ninja Turtles and it, still Ninja be Ninja Turtles. Ninja yeah. Turtles. I've been drinking only water, and I sound like I'm drunk. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'll try to get a clean take. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, for me too. I it's just easy. It's easy to just try to say really fast. This movie was fun. It was funnier than I remembered it. It was funnier than I expected, because I was expecting the second movie again. But in Japan, I say skip the second one. Go one and three if you like the turtles. That's exactly what I would say as well. If you've never seen any of them, absolutely just watch the first one. If you want more after that. Skip two, come straight here. There's nothing for you in two. I don't think there's nothing in in two for anybody. Because three, this is not a movie for like I watched one and two religiously. Like I said, this is probably my second or third time watching this ever, and it's great. I think it's good. If you are into turtles, if your kids are into turtles at all, this is a pretty easy viewing. There's not too much that's challenging here, and the action is much improved from one and two, I think. I think it's both the action and stunts are much better. Yeah, the fight choreography is well over and above what was in two by far. Yes, yes. One did a lot with what you can't see is still pretty cool. Show less because you can't do as much as you want to. One I would suggest to almost anyone, even if they don't like Turtles, you should probably just watch that movie because it's just a good movie overall. This is a great sequel, but yeah. I don't think a good movie itself. I think that's kind of the distinction there, but for what it was, for a movie on this list, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. This is our first trilogy died in the wool true trilogy, I think, because we've watched at least three Batman movies, but different cast and animated and whatever, but I'm very happy with how this one ends. I don't know if we'll be getting back into the turtles. I don't think so. There's a couple animated flicks if we so desire. Okay, well, let us know. If you are a diehard Turtles fan and you want us to hear talk more Turtles, then hit us up. Reach out at Nerdaplexy at gmail.com or you could hit us up over at Nerdaplexy Pod on Twitter. While you're there, make sure to say hey and you'll be interacting with our friend, The Face of Dave. The Face of Dave very special thank you to you for sticking with us. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, would like to thank the cast and crew of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 because this was a real fun ride and I'm happy to have uh, watched it. Speaking of things that make us happy, thank you to Megan and Steve for uh, being subscribers and help us keep the lights on over here. Steve still has to hit us up with the uh, the movie he wants us to watch. Yeah, oh yeah, hopefully we can get that bonus episode out to you soon if you would like to have your very own bonus episode. Head on over to Nerdoplexy.com where you can sign up to be a very cool subscriber at that monthly level, and you will get your very own bonus episode with uh, with uh, about any movie you'd like within reason you can reach me at PGH underscore read you can reach Sam at PGH underscore sVH on Twitter oh I, I guess we should mention what we'll be checking out for next time Dennis the Menace <laughs> oh man <laughs> this is another uh, comic strip comic. But that's still technically us, so put Walter Math out. Here we come, baby. Bad news bears. But until we uh, meet again, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. You know, so when the turtles are doing flips and stuff, you know how they kind of wear like a little bikini? <laughs> here's the real question, here's the real horrifying question Is that organic? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that's that you use the turtle wax around there. <laughs> oh, 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 oh that's the turtle wax. Uh, okay, I think that'll do it.